you know, people go, oh my gosh, that sounds a little crazy, but it could be a really good story. And I go, yeah, it actually could be a really good story. Hello, and welcome to History Through Fiction, the podcast. I'm your host, Colin Mustful, and today I am so happy to be joined by Elizabeth Churchill, author of the novel, The Desolation of the Wicked City. That's where I am, is I know what works, and I can work with what works, and I know what doesn't work, so how do we fix what doesn't work? Elizabeth Churchill is an author, playwright, and screenwriter born and raised in St. Andrew, Jamaica in the West Indies. She attributes her love of reading and writing to Sunday evenings spent with her mother reading books such as Ian Serralier's The Silver Sword and C.S. Lewis's The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. She's also a trained attorney and holds a master's degree in intellectual property law. She enjoys taking trips to exotic locations, throwing parties, and writing over a glass of wine. Elizabeth is an avid TV fan, loves going to the theater and cinema, and is a self-proclaimed history buff. In 2019, Elizabeth published her debut novel, The Time Traps Captive, which has been described as a fun, imaginative, and truly captivating historical read. Today, I'll be talking to her about her novel, The Desolation of the Wicked City. So I'd like to start with your main character, Annabelle Blackburn. Can you just tell us a little bit about who she is? So Annabelle Blackburn is, she's a very free-spirited young woman. She's from England. Um, She didn't have a lot of the kind of struggles and the the different kinds of of strictures attached to her. So she's a very free-spirited, free-willed person. And and so when she kind of finds herself um, taken from that environment and kind of put into a a different environment, which is also kind of free, but in a different way, she she kind of feels a little a little embattled with with that. But she she's a very free spirited. She says what she wants. She's very no nonsense. And I think writing that character is really interesting for me because the time period in which the the book is written, you think of her more of sort of like a very quiet person, very reserved and very docile, but she's none of those things. Is that by chance a reflection of you or anyone you know? I think I think I wanted her to to reflect a more a more modern woman, even though the time period is set, because I wanted her to be um I'm a very free-spirited person. I'm a very no-nonsense. I, I do speak my mind. And I wanted her to have that because I didn't want her to be another 
very quiet, very reserved, very background character because she is the main character. So I wanted her to be very in the forefront. Well, in the first few pages of the novel, it's very clear that she has experiences some culture shock and she has some very negative preconceived notions of Jamaica, of where she's going. Can you talk about what she learns about Jamaica and, and maybe for for us who haven't researched the, that time period, what was it actually like there, both politically and socially? Right. So the the book is set in um, 1692. So during that period, uh, Jamaica and particularly Port Royal was referred to as the wickedest city on earth because it was filled with uh, piracy. It was filled with all sorts of debauchery, and so. And so that's all she would have gotten because that's what was happening. So she would have gotten that kind of information that it's a very wild place. It's filled with a lot of wild things and there are lots of wild people and it's very heavy on crime. It's very heavy on, on, on different types of social ills. So that's the information she would have gotten. And so when she actually gets there and she realizes well, okay, it's it's kind of true. She gets a, a, a and she gets a complete shock because it's it's not what she's used to. She's heard it and now she's experiencing it, and and it's it's a total shock for her. So at at that time, it would have been you know a lot of piracy. You would have had different trading between um, different ports in the Caribbean, and 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 you know the the whole sense of you know, it being a pirate port. Was that fun to to read about all of that in your research? Yeah, so I I I I kind of love the history of pirates, and it was kind of one of the things that really um, brought me to it. And I think growing up in Jamaica, you do get that kind of 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 history of the piracy that happened. And I have been to Port Royal many, 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 many times. And I love doing the tours and I love doing the research and you get to see the whole kind of idea. And it's kind of like fun and exciting looking at it from right now. But I think if you were there at the time, it would not have been a great thing for you. You might have thought this is really bad. But I mean, reading about it and researching and actually going there and doing the tours and doing the different museums, it's really very interesting, um, the, the whole history of piracy in Jamaica and, and how that, that, that unfolded. It was, it's really quite interesting. Well, I've never been to Jamaica myself. I know most Americans just see it as like, um, you know, a beach destination, but I'm a history buff myself. So that definitely sounds like fun to go and visit some of those historical sites and learn from the the museums about piracy it is it is it is quite it is quite fun um to get i guess the beach side as well but there is a very um strong historical um background because of our our history with um you know slavery and our history with piracy and our history with different people coming in to make Jamaica kind of what it is, which is a very diverse blend of different cultures and different people. So, I mean, that's really, it's it's really quite good from that perspective as well. And I wonder if you can talk about another historical event 
uh, in your novel, and that's the the Jamaica earthquake of 1692. I'm curious, is that something as a Jamaican that you grow up knowing about, or like was it a major event in your history that everybody hears about? Um, and and just what what happened to Jamaica in the aftermath of that of that earthquake? Right. So the the book is is really a, a telling of those particular events so it's a fictionalization of those that specific event and putting the characters in the midst of that specific event so that earthquake um was actually a very very large earthquake and also accompanying the earthquake was a tsunami which actually sunk a very good part of the city of Port Royal. So Port Royal is on, it's like on a harbor and it actually sunk a majority of that city into the sea. So it's actually what we have of Port Royal right now is remnants of most of the city, which is actually below um, the water. Um, So growing up, it would have been something that you would have, you know, done in school because we would have done social studies and different kinds of things. So you would have heard about it. Um, I don't think people, after they kind of read about it a little bit in school and they maybe go on a, a school tour to Port Royal, they might forget about it. Um, but I really love the story and I am sort of fascinated with um, natural disasters as sort of my personal fascination. I think it's very interesting how nature kind of, you know, does what it wants. Um, So for me, that event and, and, and reading about it and reading about the theories of why it happened and one of the kind of theories why it happened is a, a religious theory, which is that this place was just so bad that it could not be allowed to stand. And this was like moral and religious retribution. And, and this was a whole, this was a whole, you know, let, let the people suffer for their misdeeds um, situation. So I also find that quite fascinating. And, and I really, I really loved researching that and, and doing a bit of putting that into the book as well. Yeah, that's definitely fascinating. And, you know, I already really loved your title, The Desolation of the Wicked City, but now talking to you, it it just makes so much more sense. Um, Let's talk a little bit about craft. Um, I noticed that you have, um, at the beginning of each chapter, you have, you start off with a separate font set apart from the rest of the actual narrative where you kind of set the scene for the reader. I've not seen that in other novels, but I think it's very effective. Is that something that you saw in it somewhere else or just something you decided to do and, and it worked? Right. So for me, I wanted to, to as you said, set the scene. So I picked a particular phrase or a particular uh, scene out of the chapter that I thought would resonate most with the reader and I put that as kind of the title of the chapter so that they could kind of like see uh you know where is she going with this like 
you know, ooh, where, you know, this line, where is it from? What is the context of this line? You know, it's kind of grab, grab the reader to figure out, you know, what is the title of, you know, what is, what is the point of this title of this chapter? What is it tied to in the chapter? So I thought that was kind of like a really good way to get the reader interested in the actual chapter by giving them a little, a little word or a little phrase from the chapter. And from what I can tell, you are an extremely creative individual, um, not just writing fiction, but, you know, playwriting and screenwriting. Um, but then you're also a lawyer. How do you reconcile those two sides of yourself? Um, does one kind of take charge at, uh, over another or are you equally balanced? You know, I, I, I used to try to balance and finding the balance is is really hard and but I have to do it uh so I am a lawyer by trade or profession and I'm also a writer by trade profession and it's something that I do because I love it I love to tell stories I love to think of different things that people might be interested in and I like to write it down so for me it is a matter of finding the right balance and Sometimes it is that you have to just kind of like make the time. So I work full time. And when I was working, you know, working full time, I had to like find a different way of writing. So I would do writing on the weekend. And then I sometimes I don't work full time. And then I use that kind of period as well to do some writing. So my last book that I I, I wrote, which is which is not actually this one, um, I had a lot more free time to write that because during the pandemic it was sort of like you're not working at a particular office, you're kind of at home, so you have a little bit more you know free space to decide how you're going to structure your day as opposed to if you were going into office you'd be there from nine until five and so you'd be working all of that time when you're at home you can kind of structure it a little differently I'll work from nine to twelve and then I'll take a two-hour lunch break and then I'll work up until you know nine instead of five um, so you kind of get a little bit more time in the day to kind of do stuff that you want to do for yourself while still getting your work done. Um, so for me, that was very helpful and very useful. And and it it really it really is a matter of just finding that right balance that works for you. And I think in a kind of work from home setting, which I am in now, um, it is really, really helpful in getting both my legal work done and getting my writing done because I can structure myself accordingly. Yeah, there, there definitely were a lot of, well, there were silver linings to some of the lockdowns. Um, I can actually admit that I decided to launch this podcast during the lockdown, the first season I mm -hmm. recorded just because I was at home and I was like, well, I got the time, so, so let's give it a shot. Uh, so it's interesting to hear you say that. Yes, I think it did provide a lot of opportunities for a lot more creativity because people just had more time. Yeah. 
I heard in another interview, and I was shocked by this, that, that you write on Sundays and that you write all day long. Um, you know, everyone's got their own schedule, their own techniques and what works for them. So does that, that work well for you? How many, how many words can you write in a day? I, I, yeah, so I, I, I used to, I used to do that. I haven't done that in a little while. Um, but I, there was a period in time where, because I was doing work from work, so my days were structured Monday to Friday, very, very structured, and I didn't have time to do any writing during the week, that I would spend my entire Sunday from morning to evening just kind of writing. And I would I would get through quite a bit. Um, so that happened when I was writing my first book. And I would get through, I, I want to say, a, a good couple thousand words um, just kind of writing um, all day, maybe take a little lunch break, but I would I would just spend the whole day kind of writing. And you get through a couple thousand words, um, a couple of chapters, and it it was quite it was quite a interesting way of doing it, but it it worked for me at the time. Hey, this is Colin Mustful, the founder and editor of History Through Fiction and the host of the podcast. I just wanted to take a quick break to tell you about a thrilling tale of espionage, music, and revolution. It's called The Education of Delhomme, Chopin, Sand, and La France by Nancy Burkhalter, and it's a fantastic historical novel set within the political upheaval of the 1848 French Revolution. The story follows piano tuner Bilo Delhomme as he gets wrapped up in a royal spy ring. The author, Nancy Burkhalter, is a piano tuner herself, and she has some really wonderful descriptions about Frédéric Chopin, his music, and the intricacies of piano tuning. The novel also includes the strong, vibrant personalities of French novelist Georges Sand and the criminal-turned-criminologist Eugène-Francois Bidoc. I know you'll love it as much as I do, and that's why, right now, if you buy a copy from our online store, you can get $5 off using the promo code PODCAST. That's promo code PODCAST. Thank you so much for listening, and now please enjoy the rest of the interview. So after, you know, before we can be writers, we're all readers. And I, and I read that that you developed a love of reading early on. Can you talk about your love of reading? Um, what do you like to read now? And I'm also curious, do you think you've always been sort of a natural storyteller? So I do love to read. And I, 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 I used to read quite a bit. And I still do read quite a bit. And when I was much younger, my sort of love for reading came because I used to read on Sundays with my mother. And she, well, we, when I say we used to read, she used to read to me and I used to read to her and it was kind of our kind of bonding session. 
So I very distinctly remember us reading like The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe together. And that was quite fun. And we used to read The Pearl together. And those are just a couple of books that we used to read together. So I think I really developed um, my love of reading from reading with my mother. And we still read together and she still reads my stuff now. And, you know, she'll give me little hints and little tips and stuff. And it's very, it's very good. In terms of what I like to read now, I love a good nonfiction um, book. So I really enjoy reading anything from Eric Larson. Um, I really like historic fiction books. Um, I really like um, kind of YA fantasy books. So anything that's kind of from like uh, Victoria Aveyard, I, I love. Um, I'm in the middle of reading uh, a new series of books um, um, right now, which is which is quite interesting. Uh, Crown of Thorns and a bunch of different kind of YA books that I'm reading now. And do you, do you think just reading with your mother early on, that's where you developed the, your ability to tell stories? Yeah. So, I mean, I come from a culture that's a very storytelling culture. So we have our kind of um, cultural stories and that that kind of frames, I think, framed me Um growing up is that we do have a story of telling, we do have a culture of telling stories. And so I always try to come off of that and come up with my own stories. And I have a particular friend who was always, my friend Stephanie, she was always willing to kind of indulge me when I would tell some of my crazy stories. We'd be in um, high school and we'd sit on the step at school and I would tell her a bunch of crazy stories and she'd be like, yeah, you should write that down. And some of them I did write down and they ended up in um, different kind of things um, that I have published in different forms. And when we were in university, she would still indulge me to tell crazy stories. And she's actually a writer herself. Um, I'm waiting on her to publish her stuff so that we can, you know, get in, you know, a bunch of enjoyment and excitement about that. Um, But it's really good, I think, to have people who are encouraging you to tell stories, people who encourage you to be creative. And I think I did have that from my family and my friends growing up. So it was kind of like, you know, it, it it sounds a little crazy. And sometimes, you know, people go, oh, my gosh, that sounds a little crazy, but it could be a really good story. And I go, yeah, it actually could be a really good story. And, you know, you write it down and sometimes it turns out to be a really good story. Yeah, that's really nice. Um, and to have someone to bounce ideas off of and get feedback from and just someone you can trust. Uh, tell me about Baroness Publishing. Um, have you published for other authors or do you plan to? Yes. So it was, Baroness Publishing is a kind of brainchild of mine. And I started off doing my own kind of publishing for myself because I wanted to make sure that it would work. So I wanted to do it for myself first. But the intention is definitely to start taking on different projects and different clients to also get 
you know, them to share their stories with the world. That's something that I want to start doing more. And I think kind of coming off of, you know, the pandemic and coming off of people who have spent the last two years kind of focusing on their creativity. um, I think there's a, you know, there's a good bit of content out there uh, that just kind of needs a little help being pushed out. So it is definitely my intention for it to be a, a more a publishing, editing sort of platform that people can utilize to get their work, you know, out there. So when you first launched this, um, did you make any mistakes or what, what was the learning curve like for you? Has that been challenging? Yeah, so it has been challenging. And I think, I think when you start something, you always kind of want it to work right away. And you kind of hope that there are no challenges and you kind of hope that nothing bad will happen. And then you realize that this is the real world and things happen. So you kind of try to find, you know, what doesn't work, what works, and you stick with what works. And then what doesn't work, you try to find out how to overcome that. So I have had challenges and I know what those challenges are you know, having gone through them. And then the kind of next step for me is kind of like, how do I get over the challenge? And I think for me, um, that's where I am is I know what works and I can work with what works. Um, and I know what doesn't work. So how do we fix what doesn't work? I think that's so great to hear you express that. Um, I'm sure there have been moments Maybe you were a bit frustrated, but uh, now you can think about it rationally and say, okay, this works, this doesn't, let's move forward. And just to hear your patience and determination, I think that's great. Yeah, I, I, and I think, I think it's important to realize that sometimes it can be very easy, um, but sometimes things do not just happen sort of instantaneously. It's, very, it's a very lucky situation where you kind of try your hand at something and it works kind of immediately and it works really well the first time. I think even writing and, and, and having to write and having to edit and having to rewrite and having to re-edit, you kind of realize that sometimes it doesn't always happen on the first time. And just because it doesn't happen on the first time doesn't mean that it's never going to happen. So it is about being determined. It is about, you know, finding the right way of doing things and, and working with that. And, you know, realizing when you might need to let something go or when you need to, you know, be a little more, you know, pushy with something or a little bit more forceful with something because that works. So I think it's it's about finding, you know, what works for you. Well, that's very well said. And it makes me wonder, when is your TED Talk? <laughs> I would love to do one on that. Uh, yeah, it, it, it is. No, it really is about, I, I think, finding what works for you and realizing that, you know, it, it, it is a matter that sometimes things don't work on the first try. And I think I also, I also got that experience because I will share with you that before I even thought about publishing, I tried to go a very traditional route of, you know, doing an agent 
and doing, you know, doing that. So you would get an agent who would do the different kinds of things for you, you know, finding a publisher and all of those things. And the rejection letters, they do come and, you know, they do kind of break your spirit a little bit. And, you know, sometimes you wonder, oh my gosh, have they even read it? Because it's kind of like the same message that you always get, you know, thanks for sending. Don't know, don't, you're not quite the right fit. So the rejection letters do come. But the thing is that you can't be, you know, downed by that. You have to, you have to take it and you have to realize that, you know, your writing is not necessarily a right fit for that person. It might be a right fit for someone else. Um, so you ha- kind of have to not be thrown off by the different things that come at you. Um, so you'll realize that maybe it doesn't fit for somebody, it fits for somebody else. And you kind of work with that. So I, I would I would be very encouraging in saying that just because something doesn't fit for someone doesn't mean that it doesn't fit for someone else and you shouldn't necessarily be too too devastated by a rejection of something that you have done and I think for me getting kind of different people saying yes I like it but I'm not sure it's for me yes it's good but it's you know I don't know if it's for me um what I got out of that was it's good um but it's not for me it might be for somebody else and I kind of work with that um, which I think is it's it's really it's really great um, to kind of get feedback and to take that feedback and to to go forward with it. So not not take it and have it kind of like bog you down, but to take it and you're gonna be you're gonna feel a little bad for a while and you're gonna feel sad about it, but to not just crumple up the paper and throw it away and decide that you know. Um, it this isn't worth it. It is worth it. It's something that you came up with. It's something that you enjoy and you should do it. And for me, I think that's kind of why also I wanted to do the publishing companies because I want to help people. I I understand the whole process. Um, so for for me, I I I want to be very helpful. And to be honest, I might be one of those people who says it's not for me, but I don't want you to feel discouraged. Um, into throwing away something that you know you really enjoy and something that is you. So I think my different experiences through the whole process of writing have been really interesting and have got me to a place where I feel comfortable with what I put out and I want to feel comfortable helping other people put out something that they feel comfortable with. Well, thank you for sharing that. Um, I, I can relate to a lot of what, what you expressed there. And I think it's important for writers to hear because on social media, we just see, you know, we see the 1% of 1% that people actually share. The the one time yes. they get an agent, the one time they find a publisher, the one time they hit the number one on Amazon. Meanwhile, we don't see the 4,000 other writers who are facing rejection or didn't reach their goal um, so yeah, it's, I think it's good to talk about it. And so thank you for sharing that. Yes. You do strike me as quite an ambitious person, um, and not to put you on the spot, but what ultimately are your goals moving forward as both a writer and a publisher? And, and, you know, you did talk about that a little bit with helping and, and guiding, maybe mentoring other writers, but, 
um, beyond that, you know, where do you see this going? I, you know, I just, I, for me, I just want to keep writing. So I, I love writing and, um, the book that we discussed today is one of kind of four books that I've published and I kind of have another one that I'm, you know, about to do some, you know, publishing in relation to. So for me, I just want to keep writing. I just want to keep sharing my stories um, with everyone. Um, it is something that I enjoy and something that brings, you know, brings light to my life. So I want to keep doing that. And in terms of me helping other people um, through the publishing company, that's my, my goal is to find people who want to tell their stories and to help them along that sort of path. So it won't only be kind of publishing, but I'd also, I, you know, I'd be happy to kind of, you know, do a, you know, facility where if you kind of have an idea of a story that you kind of just need to bounce off someone, you know, I can be a sounding board for, you know, you, I'll tell you if it's, if I think it's terrible or I'll tell you if I think it's good and I'll give you very, you know, unfiltered, very unfluffed kind of my thoughts. And I think it's important when you are doing something for you to hear as many opinions um, about something. And sometimes a very independent opinion is really good. And I think, getting some independent opinions on my books were very helpful. Um, I had an, you know, someone say, you know, I think this scene is really on, 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 you know, it's not believable. And then I read it back and I was just like, yes, actually, this is very good advice. And so I made, you know, the requisite changes to it. So I think, you know, being a sounding board is something that I definitely want to do. And I want to use the company to do that. Um, as kind of almost like a pre-publishing um, situation. So I, you know, want to help with edits, um, help with, you know, just, just being an heir if you, if, if that's something that's needed. And then actually, if you want to then do the publishing to be able to assist with that as well. Yeah, we definitely all need that sort of realistic, constructive feedback as hard as it is to hear sometimes. Um, so I know you have several projects in the works. What uh, do you think you're going to put out there next uh, for your readers? Uh, so, so what I have, what I have next, and what I think I I'm going to do next is I have a two, uh, three part novella series, and I'm still working on the third, the third, the third book in that series. Um, and I have some work to do in relation to that. But I actually deviated slightly from what I normally do and tried to do kind of like a YA a dystopian type uh, story, which is what I think I will uh, be sharing next. Um, I'm, I'm really kind of interested in... Um, different worlds and di different kind of fictional things. And I love books that have uh, maps in the front and books with, uh, you know, charts of families and stuff. So I, I love that kind of thing. And I kind of tried my hand at that a little bit um, for my next project. Um, so I'm kind of excited about that, um, which I, I hope will be in 
maybe the next couple of, of months, I'll be able to share that. Wonderful. Yeah, Dystopian definitely sounds like a fun project. Um, well, I, w- I just want to thank you so much uh, for speaking with me today, Elizabeth. Uh, congratulations on the desolation of the Wicked City. And congratulations so on, on everything, you know, leading up to this point and, and everywhere, you know, you're headed. Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure to talk to you.